Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we were doing a show the other day, and I was talking about Carson Beck, and I kind of talked about the fact that I think that Beck deserves a lot of credit for the quarterback that he appeared to be here this spring. And there's a tendency, a tendency for us, I think, to assume that you know the progression from young guy to, to starter, uh, being ready for all of that, there's a tendency to sort of assume that that's kind of a natural progression, but I don't know that it always is. In fact, if you watch college football closely enough, long enough, you'll see lots of examples, maybe sometimes at Georgia, certainly other places, where the kind of ascension that's supposed to happen for whatever reason just sort of doesn't. I mean, I, I give the folks in the recruiting industry a lot of credit. You know, they really seem to get it right with their star ratings most of the time. You know, about half of the 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 five-star recruits in a given year seem to go on to be first-round picks. You know, a huge number of them go on to begin NFL players. Four-star guys have a pretty good batting average of, of success there as well. But even with the kind of confines of that, there is still another part of that where, for whatever reason, it just doesn't quite work out. And in the case of Carson Beck, at least right now, it sort of seems like it is going to work out. It sort of seems like that Georgia is going to be comfortable making Beck the starting quarterback, even if they haven't quite announced that yet it just sort of seems like that's the direction all of this is heading and I don't think it should be taken for granted that Carson Beck has done a lot of work to kind of put himself in the position to sort of be this guy in this spot right now I think we sort of have to take that pretty seriously and as a way of setting up the conversation about where I kind of want to go today and some of this actually comes from Carson Beck stuff that you possibly have not heard yet I want to start with something that Kirby Smart did say. Maybe you have heard this before, kind of describing the the, the confidence that, that Beck has demonstrated thus far this spring. And what I want you to understand is, I'm going to give you more evidence to back this up in here in a moment, is that the confidence that Beck showed Kirby this spring, the confidence that Beck put on display for all of his teammates this spring, maybe in Beck's own telling of the story, that wasn't always present during his previous years here at UGA all the more reason to celebrate the growth and development, the maturity that he's showing. So as a way of setting you up, let me let you hear Kirby in his own words about what he has seen from Carson as Carson has sort of stepped up and possibly taken on the role of being the new Georgia starting quarterback. This is Kirby from a couple of weeks ago. Well, I think he has a really good composure. You know, Carson's never up, never down. I think that's a great quality on a quarterback. I've seen, you know, guys that are emotional and up and down like a roller coaster. He's pretty even kill. And to be honest, most of our quarterbacks are. There's no uh, there's no guy out there that, that loses it one way or the other. But he, he does a good job being very even killed. And um, I think he understands the system. You know, he's uh, another year in the system. So it comes natural to him. He's not nervous about what the huddle call is, what's my read, what's the motion, what's the shift. He's very cool, calm, and collected and does a good job uh, of managing those things with the offense. So I think he's he's earned some confidence and, and earned some confidence with the players. I really like that from Kirby. You know, the notion of, hey, he hasn't just earned confidence for himself, but he has earned the right to have the players in this team be confident in him based on what they've seen. And the description there from Kirby, I jotted down a couple of phrases. The idea of Carson being even-keeled, not too up, not too down, just sort of steady, you know, in the pocket, so to speak. Just sort of steady as it goes as far as the quarterback uh, situation and the and the things being asked of a quarterback. The fact that he understands the system. There's nothing that's happening out there that, that Beck isn't prepared for. There's nothing that, that's happening out there that from a kind of a cognitive standpoint that Beck is going to be overwhelmed by, smart saying, that he kind of understands the system. And 
if you if you you know are kind of comfortable in your own skin, if you kind of understand what you're being asked to do as a quarterback, then therefore it just sort of stands to reason that you might not be too nervous. The way in which the quarterback position could make almost anyone nervous. Kirby saying, well, you know, he hasn't seen that level of nervousness from Carson Beck here this spring, and. I think all of that is just an awesome description. If you're a Georgia fan that hopes that Georgia has a very good quarterback to follow up on Stetson Bennett, who just helped the Georgia Bulldogs win two national championships. I think all of that from Kirby Smart is obviously really positive when it comes to Carson. But I want to talk for a minute about how we got to this point. And look, I want to be honest with all of you here for a moment that, you know, sometimes, I mean, obviously on a show like this, I give my opinions for a living, right? But the kind of opinion I try to avoid giving you, and every now and then I'll give you one of these, and if I do, I try to telegraph and let you know that's what this is. But what I try to avoid giving you is a hunch. I try to avoid giving an opinion on this show that's nothing but, hey, this is my hunch. This is sort of my suspicion. Uh, I try to make sure if I'm going to share an opinion with you, it's something I can kind of back up. It's something I have some sort of evidence to support. I may be wrong, but at least I had some logical reasoning for why I gave the opinion that I gave. So there is an opinion that for a little while I've sort of avoided giving some of y'all because all it really was was just sort of a hunch and a suspicion. And I have to be honest with you about it right now. And the reason why I'm comfortable saying this now, because it seems like my hunch and suspicion sort of turned out not to be true. So therefore, it's sort of okay to, to talk about this now. I've had a little bit of a hunch about Carson Beck for a little while that, man, he just sort of dealt with some bad luck when he first got to Georgia. And sometimes that bad luck, and in Carson's case, that was coming in on the pandemic year. Everything was weird. Spring practice was taken away from him. And sometimes it's one of those things of if you don't get off to a good start, you never quite catch up to where you would be if you had that moment at the beginning to kind of get a head start on the growth and development that everybody has to go through through college. And back not having that in 2020 and the odd year that was for Georgia, I've always had a little bit of a hunch and a suspicion that might be a little bit of a problem for Carson Beck. And then when Beck had the chance to win the starting job after JT Daniels got hurt, you'll remember this, early 2021, you know, Daniels had played uh, against Clemson, didn't play very well, come to find out. Uh, we found out he had, you know, a little bit of an injury situation, so much so that he was going to not be able to play the following week uh, against UAB. There had been some chatter that Beck might start. Uh, some of that, I think, had even kind of come maybe from Carson's camp a little bit. Uh, but then ultimately ended up being Stetson Bennett who started that game. Bennett had the record-setting day and then eventually led Georgia to the national championship. But this is one of those things that sort of added to my hunch and my suspicion of, well, gosh, you know, you know, Beck sort of had his chance here a, a year after what had been a very strange 2020 and didn't quite work out. And once again, and this is probably unfair to Carson, which is one of the reasons why I never really said this in the show. But, you know, I was kind of wondering, well, gosh, you know, you know, if he couldn't take the reins on this particular day, are we sure that sometime in the future he really is going to be able to take the reins and emerge as the Georgia starting quarterback? I had a little bit of a suspicion of, you know, Beck's going to have to really show me something because he came in under difficult circumstances. Uh, you know, he had his chance once before, and it sort of seemed like that week didn't go all that well for him. Am I, you know, are we really sure that Carson Beck can be the guy for Georgia? It's one of the things this spring that I've sort of found so refreshing is whatever question I might have had about Carson Beck kind of looking the part of the Georgia quarterback. Now, obviously, going out there and succeeding and doing what's required for the job, that remains to be seen. We'll see more of that this fall. But in terms of sort of demonstrating the kind of aura that a quarterback's supposed to have, the sort of intangible characteristics that quarterbacks seem to display – 
I feel like in the game we all saw on G-Day, I saw plenty of that from Carson Beck. I, I sort of feel like he kind of looked the part there in that in that moment. And in so many words, that's kind of what Kirby Smart uh, was saying there a moment ago there as well. Now, my reason for saying all of that is this. I think it sort of turns out that what Beck has been through, bad luck that he had nothing to do with in 2020, the sort of odd moment in 2021 where he had his chance and yet ultimately kind of didn't earn that right, Apparently, those may have all been building blocks to help him get to where he is right now, where I believe he's about to be entrusted as the Georgia starting quarterback. And I believe this Georgia coaching staff feels really good about that. Let me tell you why I feel confident in telling you that today. So Beck recently did an interview. Now, there's all kinds of, you know, sort of things that pop up from time to time that I don't really know much about. I guess this is a, a page that I don't really know very well. It's called Footballville. Uh, this is a really good interview, and I'll make sure I put a link to the full interview when I post the show, of course, at the worldfamousdognation.com, because I want to watch, I want you to watch the full interview. I want you to kind of get the context here, because I thought the two guys that did it, one of them being Marco Wilson's father, and he even kind of had a funny joke at one point in time about his son throwing the shoe, which was it has nothing to do with Carson Beck, which is kind of funny uh, nonetheless. But the Footballville, it's a YouTube page, their interview with Carson Beck, and I heard stuff from Beck in this interview that I don't know that I've heard before, him being very open, very honest about what he's been through at Georgia, and all of a sudden, those things that made me a little suspicious about whether or not Carson would ever be the guy at Georgia, all of a sudden, I see these things in an entirely different light. That all of a sudden, you know, this was all, um, I, you know, like, like I said, stepping stones to get where Carson's gotten. And almost anybody who achieves anything great in life has to go through some adversity to achieve it. And all of a sudden, you know, these things that I thought were, ooh, this is a potential problem. As it turns out, all it was was an obstacle for Beck to figure out a way around or figure out a way to go through, probably said better, and to kind of be where he is now, which I think looks like a pretty seasoned guy, a pretty, you know, even if not in-game experience, it's at least experience in the college program. I think he looks ready now, and the stuff that he's been through, I believe, has kind of helped him get ready. Let me start with this. I want to play two clips for you for a moment, and we may play some more of these tomorrow, but I want to play two for you right now. Here's the first thing. I told you a moment ago that Carson Beck coming in in 2020, that just stinks for him. That's all there is. You lost your spring practice. 2020 was so weird everywhere across college football. I don't know that it was any- I don't know that the the weirdest of 2020 could have been any weirder than the Georgia quarterback situation where you had Jamie Newman here. You know, we still don't quite know exactly why he, you know, uh, turned, you know, tuck tail and ran. Uh, You had Dwan Mathis uh, starting the first game for Georgia. That didn't quite work out, obviously, to put it mildly. Stetson Bennett emerged out of nowhere. JT Daniels was here, but we were kind of waiting every week to find out if he would ever play. Finally, that happened, you know, pretty late in that season. It just sort of seemed like a very weird quarterback room uh Carson Beck is in that there as well he was as young as he could be fresh out of high school and you know kind of a you know a strange situation that kind of you know you know that that transition from high school to college obviously being strange when it was and the good news is as weird as that all looked to us Carson Beck in this interview with football field footballville says yeah it was even weirder on the inside I think this is just really like refreshing honesty from uh Beck here very very candid stuff take a listen to Carson Beck describing the first year he had at Georgia and how strange it all was here's Carson Shoot, that's right when COVID had hit right in 2020 um we had it was me JT had just transferred in mm-hmm. uh Jamie Newman had just transferred in and then Stetson was there and Dewan was there. And that was the craziest year. Like, the, why you call it crazy? Just a totally like everybody in that quarterback room was just totally different. Like, mm. we didn't, 
like I'd say now with our quarterback room going off topic a little bit, but like, we're very like well connected and we all get along and like, but like back then, and it might've just been cause I was a freshman I was young. I didn't really, yeah. you know, talk, but it was a lot of different Tough. characters in that quarterback room. <laughs> it was friction. Would you say not, not friction uh, it was just... per se, but like definitely like a little something. I don't know what the word was mm. would be, but it was definitely crazy. I just think that's so refreshingly honest from Carson Beck. It's the kind of thing that maybe you don't say, I guess, in a regular press conference or something like that, maybe. But nonetheless, it's just true, right? I mean, it's like <laughs> you can just sort of hear that, and it just sort of sounds true. And I don't know. I take some comfort in knowing when I looked at the 2020 situation for Georgia, especially at quarterback, my eyes, I looked at it and thought, gosh, this situation seems really, really weird. And Carson Beck says, guess what? Being on the inside, it was even weirder than you realize. And there's a part of me that sort of takes some comfort from that, that, yeah, it seemed like Carson Beck had a really tough first year at Georgia. And Beck's like, I did. It was a very hard first year. Uh, we didn't know the quarterbacks. We're kind of on the same page with each other. We're all meeting via Zoom. You know, everything was kind of a mess. Jamie Newman's opting out. Dwan Mathis had some early struggles. Uh, JT Daniels having a hard time getting healthy. Stetson Bennett sort of steps up out of nowhere. The whole thing was just really, really strange and kind of, I guess, unmoored uh, in, in some respects. And Beck's just kind of honest about that. And that's not the only, like, refreshingly honest thing that Beck said during this interview with Footballville. And as I said before, I'll put a link up so you can hear the interview. I was not a page. This is not a page I was familiar with prior to this, but I talked a moment ago about, you know, I look back on that week prior to the UAB game. A lot of folks thought that Beck might start that game against the Blazers there that day. And it didn't happen. And I think a lot of us have been kind of left to wonder, well, what does that say about Carson that he had his shot right there and he, he didn't take advantage of it? Well, the good news here is looking back on it now, Beck has no problem describing the fact that, yeah, he wanted to be the starter and he didn't. And yet ultimately, maybe it helped him be a better quarterback here right now. Once again, I think this is very refreshing honesty from Carson Beck on a moment early in his Georgia career. This is 2021 when he thought he might start when JT Daniels was injured, didn't get a chance to, and yet apparently has learned a lot from that process. Here is Carson back again but yeah like that year whenever um jt got hurt and then like he whatever stepped in i thought it was gonna be me um yeah at the time but i just like i said i wasn't ready you know and as much as i thought i was ready like i was so mad like so so mad and i think any player would be like in that situation but looking back on it now like and like understanding what happened like he had the experience part that i didn't have right you know and he's talented enough to get it done. You know, he, he's very talented. And I mean, he just got drafted, you know, yeah. I mean, which is dope. I'm yeah, super, we saw his body super, at work. Super happy for him, <laughs> you know, and so that ended up happening. And I just wasn't ready yet. So then going through that sophomore season, um, it was tough because like in my head at the time, I'm like, damn, like it should be me, which is like anybody that's sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. What's, okay, what's going to say that? Right, right. And um but now, like, looking back at it, it's like, I'm so happy that I didn't play that year because I just wasn't I wasn't there yet. So I've gone long on this topic, but I want to try to sum all this up this way. You just heard Kirby Smart a moment ago say, hey, when I look at Carson Beck this spring, I see a guy who's not nervous. I see a guy who understands the system. I see a guy who's even keeled, not too high, not too low. Apparently, that's not what Beck was in 2021 by his own admission. Going into a week where he had a chance to start, saying that I didn't fully appreciate everything that was going to be required of me to be that. In this full interview, which I'll post a link to, he describes kind of being overwhelmed by that moment. And that's okay, right? I mean, he'd had a very weird 2020. This was the next year after that. It's okay not to be ready then. But apparently the lack of readiness he had then 
was a stepping stone to him being where he is right now, where I think most people describe who've been close to him this year, a guy who looks like he's ready now. And that's what matters. And all of a sudden, all of this has kind of caused me to kind of reconsider all of the years that Bex had at Georgia prior to this coming to the point now where he might truly be ready. In fact, there are plenty of people who say it's not even a might about it. He really is ready. I'll show you this. Brad Crawford is writer for 247sports.com. He put this on Twitter the other day in light of what we're saying here, Carson Beck, kind of emerging in the moment, using previous setbacks as a way of being the kind of quarterback he wants to be right now. It sounds like, at least according to some, that's all going really well. Brad putting out on Twitter, buy stock in Georgia quarterback Carson Beck when you can. I've heard from a coaching friend recently after a practice that QB one and the first team offense were carving up those studs on the other side of the ball with 10 plus yards per play and the words sounds like Carson Beck with the Georgia offense has been moving the football pretty well we're told according to Brad Crawford in some Georgia practice situations which is great news and all of this of course if true sort of sets up a situation this year where once again something very big is going to be asked from Carson Beck in 2021, he was asked to have a chance to step up and emerge a starter. It didn't quite happen. But in 2023, now, as we presume, the starting quarterback, once again, a very big ask is coming his way. Hey, can you handle your business on the road? On the road, you got a pretty significant early test at Auburn on September 20th. I should say September 30th, setting up for, you know, Tennessee on down the line and eventually the college football playoff and obviously the expectations of winning a third straight national championship. Beck's been through a lot here at Georgia and at times maybe hasn't always stepped up as well as he hoped that he might. But it sounds like he's learned a lot through that process and he sounds and it sounds like he may be ready to step up here right now, which could be just in time for these Georgia Bulldogs. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we're happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that across all video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, and we are available as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just so happy to have you as a part of the program here today and so appreciative of our friends at Meriwether and Tharp who make it all possible. You know, I love our great partners here, folks who've been with us for a long time, and I'm so proud of the relationship we've had with Meriwether and Tharp over the years. First of all, because I count the Tharp family as good friends of our family, and uh, we're very proud of that. But in addition to that, here's the thing that I really like. I feel so strongly that the people on our show that I tell you about, you know, I've gotten to know them, I've gotten to know their product or their service, and I genuinely feel like they make the lives of the people in our audience better. And the divorce situation is a perfect example of that. Listen, if I had my way, if I had my wish, none of you would ever get divorced. You know, none of you would ever have to deal with that in your own life, that you would have, you know, happy, wrinkle-free existence. If I could do anything for you, that's what i do for you. But obviously, I can't do that for you. There's some real, you know, uh, struggles that happen in life. There's some adversity that strikes in life. And if I can't make it disappear for you, the next best thing is helping you get through it. And... If you find this as a reality that must be confronted and the only way around it is to go through it, well, better to have a strong advocate on your side as you do so. And that is what Meriwether and Tharp is all about. We're talking about the law here. And the law is complicated. There are intricate things to understand here. And the best way to understand that is to go through situations like this thousands and thousands of times. And this may be your first uh, divorce situation, but for Meriwether and Tharp, this is not. Uh, They've got attorneys that have 
you know, just gigantic levels of experience. Bob Tharp's obviously been doing this for a very long time, and you gain a lot of institutional expertise when you do this as often as frequently as Meriwether and Tharp has done that, and they want to put that knowledge to work for you. That means how can the law be leveraged for your benefit? How can you make a better financial situation for yourself moving forward? How can you make a better relational situation for yourself moving forward, including there with your children? These are big, weighty questions that come up around the divorce process, and Meriwether and Tharp wants to help you handle it all. So start with a free initial consultation, kind of tell your story. And sometimes it just sort of feels nice to tell your story. But then after that, make the right decision. Hire Meriwether and Tharp to help you get through your divorce proceedings. So I want you to find them online. It's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. Have that free initial consultation, put them to work for you, and you will find out why what I've been saying for such a long time is so true that Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, we're going to have a, a good show here coming up. We're going to talk to Terrence Edwards in a couple of minutes. We'll get into a lot of different things with Terrence here, post-NFL draft, some of the stuff we talked about Carson back there a moment ago, and maybe even a little bit on the subject I'm about to get into with you here because um, I think there's a Georgia player that does not always get enough credit. I want to make this around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And part of what brings this up for me is – and. Well, once again, when I post the show later on, I'll put the full video up. I, I don't have the full video to show you right now, but I do want to show you a quick picture of uh, uh, Javon Bullard on Twitter. Puts out a great video of himself, you know, kind of grinding the weather. First of all, the production value in this workout video is very, very cool. It's very like sort of music video-esque. Kind of got like a little bit of a black and white motif to it. Uh, very, very uh, artsy in some respects, but it's, it's a cool video. But it's an example of something that, that Bullard's been a part of for quite some time, which is just grinding during the offseason. You'll know the story. Many of you are aware of this is that it's a workout video similar maybe to the one that uh, Bullard put on social media that actually earned him the right to even play for Georgia that that to me Javon Bullard is is he's more than just a good player to me he's sort of representative of what makes Georgia Georgia from the standpoint that hey you know you know Bullard had to fight just to even get on a Georgia roster you know Bullard wasn't just sort of lauded with sort of five star this and five star that a lot of people wondered was he even a top you know sort of you know top level college player well georgia saw that in him georgia scouted him well and as it turns out bowler became the most important defensive player on this team arguably so during the college football playoff and when you look at the upcoming season this is always going to be true at a place like georgia because there are so many players that get attention almost at times it seems like from a kind of a national perception standpoint maybe no one gets enough attention we've talked before about the idea that bullard you know has kind of set his sights on winning the jim thorpe award we believe that it's quite possible that that javon bullard really is the best defense back in the country and we just sort of hope he gets the attention he deserves as that guy you know terrence edwards who's going to join us in a minute was one of the first people to tell us you know way back weeks ago well before this was you know kind of out anywhere else that 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 you know bullard was likely transitioning to the safety spot here this year and that excites me you know that excites me i, I think that javon bullard was already a great player kind of that nickelback star spot a year ago you know moving to that that safety position i just think that can be really really good for georgia i think it can be great for bullard personally and it's kind of that connection where the Georgia teams always seem to have the great safety. Now, Malachi Starks may also be a great safety this year, too. But you go back and look. You know, it's 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 been Christopher Smith. It's been Lewis Seen. You know, it's been Richard LeCount. It's, it's been J.R. Uh, uh, Reed. Uh, it, it's been this great collection of, uh, of, of, of terrific 
safeties that Georgia always seems to have. And, you know, maybe Georgia has two of them this upcoming season, but certainly Bullard has a chance to be one of them. So I love the idea that Bullard's out there on social media showing himself, you know, grinding and working out and 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 trying to be at his best this upcoming season because as I said before, he is more than just a good football player. He is representative of what makes Georgia Georgia. His 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 story is kind of what enhances the Georgia brand. In fact, you know, Bullard himself has talked plenty about that. And by the way, there's the uh, big hit. <laughs> uh, that helped Georgia win the uh, the Peach Bowl and go on to win a national championship. And obviously, they still has the folks up in Columbus whining about that. Uh, good defensive play by Bullard. No apologies uh, required from him on that. But nonetheless, you know, the idea of just how much Bullard sees the brand that he represents when he plays for Georgia is being valuable. You know, Bullard obviously enhances that value by the way that he carries his business. Here's Javon talking about that very point. Here's Javon Bullard. Just wearing his G, like we said in the room, this G is darn it just important as your last name. This G is, is very important, and um, people love and respect this G. And you gotta, it's, it's an honor, it's an honor for us, man, to wear this G. So you gotta respect it, whether you're on the field, out the field, and you just gotta do what you gotta do in order to um, just not bring a bad name to this G and to your last name and stuff. So you really just gotta watch what you do, watch your surroundings, and just keep your head full. I'll take 11 Javon Bullards on both sides of the ball. I'll play him in every position, and I'll be fine with whatever happens after that because that's the attitude that you just you just can't coach that up. You just can't. You know, you you, you can do things to enhance it, but it's either in you or it ain't, uh, to use bad grammar intentionally. In the case of Javon Bullard, he's got plenty of it in him. It has benefited Georgia mightily, and I believe the best may be, may be yet to come for him there. Fun to see him there on social media kind of showcasing – uh, that workout and we have no doubts that Javon Bullard's working as hard as anybody to get ready for the upcoming season because that seems to be the way that he approaches everything we will make that around the doghouse for you here today on uh, Dog Nation Daily and before I bring on Terrence Edwards let me also give a shout out here too because we've had some questions about this I want to make sure everybody's fully aware if you go to dognation.com right now you can click the link in there to sort of tell us about why the mom in your life should be one of our Kroger Perfect Moms that we're going to honor there next week. So this is going to start on Monday. We'll start making our announcements. Now, you have between now and I believe it's noon on Sunday to get your uh, nominee in, whether it be your mom, your wife, who you see her being a great mom each and every day. Uh, maybe it's your sister or you, you, maybe you have a child now, you're a, a daughter who's become a mother. There's so many great moms in our audience. Obviously, the dog's still basking the glory of a perfect season, but as good as that is, there's nothing better than a perfect mom. And so many of us can tell stories about how our mom were, ex they were exactly what we needed them to be at the very moment we needed for them to be. And that is what perfection is all about when it comes to being a perfect mom. And I'm thankful to have a mom that I think has been perfect for me and thankful that my wife is there to be that for my kids there too. And so many of you have similar levels of gratitude. So let's celebrate all of that right now with our friends at Kroger. Great collection of gift cards, $350 in value coming your way through them. I'm talking about $150 to, to, to Kroger, $100 gift card to Macy's, $100 gift card to Bath and Body Works. That's the price package on the way for our five Kroger Perfect Moms that we'll be announcing next week, drawn at random from the uh, submissions that we're getting here right now. So go to the top of the page there at dognation.com, kind of the top left, boom, click it, get in there, tell us your story. And then next week, you may hear the mom in your life recognized as one of our perfect moms, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. And of course, don't forget to stop by Kroger for everything you need to get ready for Mother's Day, which is not this Sunday, but next Sunday. So 
whether you plan on nominating a mom for uh, Perfect Moms or not, keep in mind that Mother's Day is coming up. The clock is ticking there on that. So get ready for that two Sundays from now. All right, so that is Around the Doghouse. We are running pretty late here today, so let me see if I can pick up the pace here a little bit. Uh, sorry to keep him waiting, but always a great conversation. Let's talk to Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. There is a lot I want to talk to Terrence Edwards about. NFL draft, we're going to get there eventually. I hadn't had a chance to talk to Terrence in a couple weeks too, so it's always good to have him back on the program. Terrence, sorry for being a little late getting to you today, but uh, let me bring you on the conversation that we were just having because I think you were the first person to tell us uh, that you had seen Javon Buller working out at safety during practice, and we were just talking about Javon a little bit because I just think his – I just think what he represents is so valuable for Georgia, and obviously I think he's also a very good player there too. How good of a safety do you think that Bullard could be for Georgia this year? I think he's, he could be a wonderful safety. Uh, of course, that uh, that wonderful run that he put together last year playing star. But I just think Kirby and staff want to get the best 11 on the field. Um, I think with Tyke Smith coming back off his injury and – um, we all thought he would be the star uh, transferring over from West Virginia. So I just think they're trying to get the best 11 on the field. And I think Javon is a football player. I'm a little biased because he's he's from my same uh, side of town. That's, he's from Millersville, Georgia. I'm from Sandersville, and our two towns are right next to each other. So I understand what and how we look at football. So he's a, a student of the game. And uh, I just think that's the best 11 that we could put on the field. And uh, I think he's going to sit right in and take Chris Smith's spot as a leader, as a leader of that secondary. And I love that he's been able to put that safety because I think Tyke Smith can really help us at the star position. Yeah, it sounds like that might be true. But for those of us who are not X's and O's experts, like you mentioned the transition from like Chris Smith to the next great Georgia safety, is it just a coincidence that Georgia always seems to have the Chris Smith, Lewis Scene, you know, Richard LeCount type guy? Or is that – a necessity for the way that Georgia wants to play defense. I mean, luckily, Georgia always seems to have one of the very best safeties in the country. Like, how important is that for what Georgia wants to do defensively? Oh, it's very important. you got to have those guys on the back end because they are the last line of defense. Um, but I just think it goes back to the uh, evaluation process in high school. I think it goes back to the development of the players. I mean, you just think about Chris. No one really thought Chris was going to be this type of player. I did personally because I've watched Chris in high school. I, Chris has trained with me some. Uh, so I, I understand his football acumen. So I kind of figured once he got the opportunity to uh, to play, he would produce because that's what he did in high school. And I challenge anyone. I love Richard. Richard is one of my favorite Bulldogs of all time. But just let's be real. Chris had a better Georgia career than Richard did. So you have to go with your evaluations and your development. Uh, So I just think Javon is another one of those low-rated guys that didn't get a lot of fanfare coming out of of Town High School. But Kirby and company saw something in this young man to offer him a scholarship that goes back to just trusting your eyes and trusting your evaluation. I think Chris Smith's one of those guys, and just kind of getting off the subject a little bit, uh, but I think Chris Smith's one of those guys, Terrence, it may take us five or ten years to like fully, I guess, process 
you know, what he's meant to Georgia because obviously there's been so much success the last couple of years that it seems like, you know, everybody's been great and everybody's been dominant and to a certain extent, you know, for Georgia on both sides of the ball, that's kind of been true. But, you know, I do think that Chris Smith put together kind of a historic career in some respects. I think he's one of the best safeties this program's ever had. I mean, I'm talking about historically, and that's obviously, you know, mentioning a lot of, you know, very, very good names. It may take us a while to appreciate guys like that, just how good they really were because it obviously has come during a time in which so many Georgia players have played so well. Oh, I think so. I think Chris' name has to be mentioned as, you know, one of the Bulldogs' greats. I mean, he has to be. I can't think of another safety, you know, Lewis, I think uh, Terry Hart back in the day. But for for a career, um, I would have to go back and look at it, and I'm sure people could go and find the information for themselves. But as a safety, who else have done what he has done? Uh, throughout his two years, two two and a half years of starting, so I think he he has put together one of the most, like you say, historic uh, careers in Georgia football. And I just hope ten years, fifteen years from now, his name is cemented as one of the great Georgia uh, legends. Talk about Carson Beck before you joined us, and you know one of the things to try to be honest about is is that. You know, there have been a lot of moments in Carson's kind of career up to this point in time where you're like, man, you know, he's dealing with some, you know, some tough challenges. Like, even go back to high school. Like, he has a great junior season. You know, I think they win the state championship. He has a lot of talent around him. It sounds like for the senior year, didn't quite have as much of that. And I think that, you know, it wasn't nearly successful a season. Then you get to Georgia the next year. It's COVID. And gosh knows how weird that was, Terrence. You can tell your own stories about being involved with players and being a coach about how weird that 2020 season was. And when you don't have that first good building block year, that can be a big setback. And then, you know, Carson had a chance to emerge as a starting quarterback part of the UAB game in 2021. That didn't happen. And, you know, that kind of led me to wonder, you know, are we ever going to see the best of Carson back or is the weirdness of these last couple of years just going to catch up to him and and maybe that's going to prevent him from fully developing as well as he could? Well, it seems like now that all of that just becomes kind of a prologue for, for, for what's obviously going to be uh, a chance to have a very special season. And it looks like right now Carson's a pretty mature dude. You know, Terrence, as somebody who kind of understands the sport as both a coach and a player, how much do you like the way in which it certainly seems like Carson has grown, he's matured, he's more than happy to be very honest about, you know, moments when he thought he was ready, and it turned out that in his own telling of things, actually he wasn't as ready as he thought he was, and all of a sudden now it just seems like that makes him more ready. To me, this comes across as a very introspective and, and very mature young man here at this point in his life. How much do you like that side of Carson Beck? Because it seems like we've seen a little bit of that from him lately. I love it. I think uh, every player thinks they're ready to play until they get an opportunity to play and they understand that they have more work to do. And if you have a player that really understands and can admit that he wasn't ready when he thought, and now he's mature as a quarterback, as a team leader. That goes a long way. You know, playing this game, you, you especially the quarterback position, you, you got to have a, a guy that's, that's very mature. you got to have a guy that, that players can look up to. I think Carson has been in the program long enough that players understand who he is, and I think he's going to be the leader that, just like Stetson was. I think Stetson just galvanized that locker room to everybody wants to play for Stetson. So I think Carson has been at the Georgia program long enough. He understands the Georgia ways. He has the Georgia values. And now he's waiting his turn. It's something to say about a guy that's just going to continue to grind and be a good teammate and wait his turn. And now it's his turn to go out and prove everyone uh, that he's the quarterback that he think he is and I think he is because, I mean, just from the spring game and watching, just his maturity and his calmness, 
um, that I, I actually really like. And he's a better athlete than we give him credit yeah. for. He's not a guy that's just a statue. So let me fast forward then uh, a little bit into the future here where it seems like right now Carson's likely to be Georgia's starting quarterback. When you look at the September schedule for Georgia with apologies to South Carolina, it looks like there should be a handful of easy games in place for Carson. A lot of home games, a lot of non-conference games, even the South Carolina deal. You know, Georgia beat him 48-70 a year ago. I don't know that too many people expect that to be close here this season. But then you go on the road to Auburn. I believe it's September 30th of the day. Now, I don't expect Auburn to be that great, but I do expect that to be a tough road environment because, as you know, Jordan-Hare Stadium can be you know, a pretty tough place to play. So, so. You know, for a guy like Carson, who during the course of his time has experienced some things for the first time, first time getting a chance to be a starting quarterback, you know, first time to compete for playing time, there have been a lot of firsts in his career. That'll be the next first he has to face, if he is indeed the starter, we believe he will be, of going on the road and facing a hostile crowd for the first time. How can you prepare for that? I mean, obviously, you can pump in crowd noise, things like that, but how can you prepare for that before you actually experience it? What can Georgia do to help get him ready for some of those more challenging tasks that are eventually going to come for him this season? I just think him getting an opportunity to play against the, you know, one of the best defenses for the last three years he's been at Georgia. He's had an opportunity to compete against the type of players that he's competed against. It's going to help him in the long run because there's no practice. There's nothing that you could do to get you ready for Jordan Hare. I think in my time, um, Jordan Hare is one of those stadiums that, I mean, I think it was the best stadium to play in. Um, it was, it was, it still get, I still get chills thinking about that eagle flying around the stadium and swooping down and the energy in that stadium because the schools are so close. We got so many Georgia kids that's on the Auburn roster. So, that's going to be a test for him. And I just want everyone to understand that I'm sure Kirby is probably going to come for Kirby to instruct Coach Bobo and the quarterbacks that we don't have to get it in one possession. We don't have to get because you have a you have a defense now that Coach Bobo didn't have before. So we don't have to go out there and score a million points. So you don't have to score on every possession. It's okay to punt because you have a defense that's you know, nine times out of ten is going to give you the ball back and probably in better field position. So we just got to go in and get Carson, put him in the best position possible to be successful. We can't go out and just think he's Stetson or, or in a, uh, Jake. He's got to be him. And once he gets in the rhythm and the schedule sets favorably for him, we have some easier games to get his feet wet as the starter. And then we, we get South Carolina would be a good test. And then Auburn is coming up. So the schedule is, is favorable for a new starting quarterback, a new OC. Um, so I like that part of it. It's, Cupcake City, but for us, it's, it's a good thing. But he just has to go in to beat him. He, he can't be stats and he can't be in the in other body but Carson. We are a week you know, removed from the NFL draft. First round was exactly a week ago. Looking back on the draft, now it played out. What were your big takeaways? What stood out to you about how the NFL draft played out, especially from a UGA standpoint? Uh, my biggest thing is I think how far uh, Keely and uh, Darnell went in the draft, uh, I didn't think they would be third and fourth rounders. I thought both of them was, as I used my spade analogies, was those possible yeah. that could have snuck into the first round. Uh, especially I thought after day one, I definitely thought they would go in the second round. I think Pittsburgh definitely got a, a steal. And I think the Philly Dogs definitely got a, a, yeah. a steal with, with Keeley in, in the fourth round. So, um, you know, I read, I don't know that it was some medicals that came back, but – uh, I think both of those guys 
will have a – I think both of those guys landed in a perfect place. I also think Jalen Carter landed in a perfect place. I know a lot of guys always want to go higher than normal, but Jalen is in a situation that is perfect for him. He has veteran leadership. He has his, his Bulldog friends with him, and he's on a team, uh, Eagles team that's going to be able to compete for championships for years to come. So he's in a perfect position at nine, and I love – what uh you know the the where he went in the draft that's perfect for him so what i've talked about a little bit is and obviously you experienced this you were in the nfl and your brother was first round pick so i'm sure he probably experienced some of this too you know it's some of the negative stuff that gets spun about some of these georgia players that i find really frustrating and not just because i'm a georgia fan i don't like somebody saying bad about my you know my, my my players but some of this is just sort of proven not to be true it's like you know we hear all this stuff about darnell oh medical red flags this medical red flags that but a year ago we were hearing this about uh, jamari salyer <laughs> salyer went way too late ended up being one of the better you know rookies in the league last year certainly one of the more important la charger offensive linemen for the season brandon Staley, his head coach has said that certainly plenty of times the weird stuff about nicobe dean last year is an example on that too it just sort of seems like and maybe this is just a byproduct of having so many draft eligible players but it just seems like the Georgia guys have dealt with more than their fair share of sort of red flag this and character concern that. And a lot of this is just sort of proven to be unfounded. And, you know, I, I think that gets kind of frustrating when you're a UGA fan, just how nonsensical some of this pre-draft process at times can be. It can. And I just go back to Jalen. Uh, you know, you're connecting into the program. I'm connecting to the program. And before uh, all the draft, I've never heard from a teammate uh, from a former teammate, a current teammate, a coach, somebody that I have never heard any character issues with Jalen Carter. Not saying that they wasn't there, but I've never heard anything about it. Do we all think he has some maturity issues for driving the car fast? I think we all did. I, I don't think I can't find one person who didn't drive 100 miles an hour on Loop 10. Uh, fortunately, somebody you know, lost their life and um, – I'm still saddened about that situation, but the stories about him playing for a walk-on defense line, walk-on dinner, so he wouldn't have to pay those stories, you know, it's not get talked about. It's yeah. about character issues. So that that part is very frustrating, uh, especially when those things are being said about a young man who's who's about to, you know, enjoy something that he's been working for his all life. And with Keelan, the injuries, I think you know that. I, I, I had to go back for rechecks because when I hurt my shoulder my last year, and that's probably one of the reasons I didn't get drafted because of the seriousness of my shoulder injury. Yeah. Um, so I, I get and understand, but those guys, you know, they they are living the dream. They got drafted, and it's just for especially for Keyless, probably gonna be extra motivation for him. He, he is going to a good situation, and I tell all the guys all the time, it's not about that first contract, it's about that second and third contract that you get to. If you can get to those second and third and play like you think you could play, then what you got drafted doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll finish with this. I think you're making a lot, a lot of really good points, and I'll kind of tie the Jalen Carter thing in with the Stetson Bennett thing, two different situations, but kind of similar result. If it was believed to be true that some of the stuff that had been sort of whispered about Jalen Carter, and now I, I'm not talking about the accident, because the accident, obviously, you know, everybody, you know, the, the car crash, everybody wishes that was different, right? I mean, that's that's just a fact. Everybody wishes that situation was different. Maybe Carter should have handled himself differently in that particular situation. But in terms of how that impacts him as a football player, if the idea that character concerns made him a bad fit for a football team, then the Eagles aren't trading up to get him. You know, you know Kirby Smart and Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM, seem to have a pretty open line of communication 
question if there was any doubt that what Jalen Carter is as a teammate or is in the football field. I don't think the Eagles are trading up to get him, which therefore means all those months of, you know, whispers about that and unnamed sources about the other, all of that ended up being a total waste of time. And frankly, I think unfair to Carter and unfair to the process. And the same thing kind of goes for Bennett, much less serious situation. But, you know, we heard about the idea of, oh, you know, what happened in Dallas. And listen, I don't think that Stetson should have done that. I don't I don't, I don't want anybody knocking on my door at 6 a.m. I'm trying to sleep. So I get the idea that's a little bit of a nuisance and an annoyance. But the idea that somehow Bennett was ruining his draft stock because he acted like a goofball after the season came to an end, if that be the case, then a coach like Sean McVay, who's obviously one of the most respected tutors of quarterbacks, he's not drafting a guy like Stetson in the fourth round, which was about as high as Stet was ever going to be drafted anyway, just given his size and his measurables and things like that, that a lot of this sort of negative talk about Georgia guys proved to be a gigantic waste of time. Well, definitely. You know, I just think about like with Jalen. Uh, I heard stories come out that his teammates was ready for him to leave, and everyone is, was, you know, wouldn't speak it, but they're happy that he's out of the program. Well, I saw a bunch of Georgia guys who was on live stream when he got drafted was very happy for him. When when guys leave your program, that's when you start hearing the rumblings about what happened. So let's just take Bear Alexander for uh, for instance. I've heard the things that came out before. He left. I've heard those things about him. And the, you, you think about it, when the teammates was asked about him, they was, they was, you could tell that they was relieved that he was gone. I haven't heard one thing from a former player. I haven't heard anything like that from anybody about Jalen Carter and his character issues. So I just think a lot of it's unfounded. I, you know, it, it, it hurts a lot that when you have to listen to people speak on your character and, uh, and you know it's not true. Me personally, I wish Nolan, because Nolan is a respect. I wish Nolan would have came out in the press conference and just defended him. You know, that probably just let it go. But that's just me. I would have probably just went out and just defended him. Probably called Mache out in my in my yeah. press conference. That's just the type of teammate I am. You know, call it But I'm going to defend my guy, especially when I know it's unfounded to the end. Well, Terrence, I'll vouch for your uh, character any day of the week. And obviously, I love the uh, work that you do around the sport of football, including right now, personal coaching, getting guys ready for the upcoming season. Uh, weather's getting warm again. I'm sure you guys are looking forward to maybe being outside again and kind of running some routes and doing some things like that. I even saw uh, on social media the other day, you're starting to do some work with your own son, which is obviously a, a scary thought for future defensive backs to have to contend with. That There's another Edwards on the way here getting trained up by his daddy here. Uh, that is not good news for future DBs, I'm afraid. But uh, for folks who want that level of training, how can they get that from the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy? Yes, he, he, you know, to my son, he was he, he is ready. He's 13, and now it's time for me to give him all the knowledge that I that I know. I have a my second son Troy, who's participating in the state track meet in nice. Augusta this weekend. Nice. So he's going to run the hundred and the two hundred. So, you know, I got some boys. Robert has a son that as well that's 13 days older than my oldest son Terrence. So there's a couple of Edwards coming through the pipeline in a few years. But if all the Anyone who's looking, I know it's spring practice right now. It's the third, fourth day for me at Milton, and nice. spring football is rocking and rolling. So in two weeks, if you're looking for your son to get any training for the summer, for the fall, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. See, this is smart. Obviously, your brother recently took the job down there as on water at Washington County, and obviously he'd be a valuable coach there no matter what. But when you find out, oh, he's got an 11- or 12-year-old son at the time, going to be in high school age here, coming up pretty soon, that just makes you more valuable as a coach, right, when you can kind of populate the roster with your own kids, right? 
Yes, and yeah, we and all got to remember. Everyone remember Tracy Henderson that played basketball at Georgia. She's yeah. 6'3", so you know that's that's Robert's wife. So their son right now is is going to be a, a big kid. So um, he's probably going to be a D lineman or O lineman. Uh, he thinks he's a skilled player. Uh, but there's three Elwood boys that are two or 13. My son is 13, Robert's son is 13, and my middle son is 12. So they're months apart, actually 13 months apart. So you'll see three of them, and give, give them about two more years, you'll see three Elwood boys coming up. So I'm giving, I'm taking you too much of your time, and I apologize, but I'm curious because a lot of dads will kind of talk about this too. What's it like trying to coach up your own son? Some dads will say, hey, he'll listen to any coach better than me. Uh, and other dads are like, no, it's the best relationship you know we've ever had in terms of you know being a coach situation. What is it like trying to give some training to your son out there? How's, how's that going thus far, that father-son relationship in a situation like that? So I asked both of them. I asked both of my sons, uh, do you want to play football? They mm-hmm. both told me yes. Uh, I said, do you want to be the best? They both told me yes. I go. said, when I coach you and train you, I'm going to be harder on you than ever. And once we leave the football field, then it's back to dad, son. I like it. But you're not my son while we're training. Do you want that? They said yes. I like so it. So I'm going to give them everything that I give every other kid that I train. I'm going to be hard on them when I need to be, and I understand when I need to back off. So they they understand, and, and I told them they don't have to do this because I played. They say they both love playing football at the team, so I, that's the way I treat them. I'm going to treat them like someone. I'm going to treat them like someone else's kids <laughs> and not my own once we train. Sure. I'm gonna, yeah try to get the best out of them but once we're done we're done it's back to father's son i like that terrence that's great stuff it's the one we love having in the show thanks for your time today we'll look forward to talking to you soon all right thank you so much good stuff let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through terrence also brings a really good point and stuff like this fascinates me so when you pair the nfl running back dad with the women's college basketball player mom that's a pretty lethal combination right there. And we see some examples of this, you know, of, of you know, kind of the athletic offspring that sometimes can produce. That's a pretty fun situation to think about right there. So, you know, we're kind of, at least some of us are kind of getting to that age now where we see a lot of these, you know, kids coming up through high school, things like that. Oh, I know his parents. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that makes sense. And so that's always kind of a fun thing to be able to see. So uh, pretty good stuff there from Terrence. And listen, a lot of us can kind of tell our own stories of, hey, I'm trying to coach my son, trying to coach my daughter and whatever sport that is. <laughs> sometimes it goes great yeah sometimes maybe you know they're more prone to want to listen to somebody else but whatever whatever it takes to get it to work uh always good stuff and i love terrence's thought there of like hey when i'm coach i'm coaching and after that's over with i'm gonna love on you and be your daddy and everything like that so i think that is terrific now something else i think is terrific how about a royal caribbean cruise vacation because listen right now as terrence said for high school football you got these spring practices going on a lot of folks working really hard for that but as you get towards early summer, those coaches also get a little bit of a break, vacation time. And listen, vacation time is important for everybody there as well. Hopefully, you've been thinking about how to use your summer vacation time coming up here um, and, and very, very, very soon. In fact, just before the show started today, I was having a little bit of a brief conversation with my wife. We were working over some of the fine print details about the upcoming Royal Caribbean Cruise vacation we're going to be taking in the month of June. One of the things that, because we're going to have four kids on board with us, going to have my two kids. My brother's two kids, and one of the things they're very eager to want to do is be a part of that thrill side at Perfect Day Coco Cay, the private island oasis there um, for Royal Caribbean. The thrill side is like 
huge water park tallest water slide in north america so many fun things to do all kinds of great water slides there on that it's like i mean literally you're just sailing the ocean and you know all you see is ocean everywhere and then eventually you get closer and closer and closer and finally you see just kind of coming up oasis out of nowhere you see this wonderful private island perfect day coke okay and my kids want to be a part of that water park so we're trying to make sure we got our water park ticket secured and all that kind of stuff so we can be a part of all of the fun that's going to be going on there it's one of the great things about a royal caribbean cruise vacation for me say this before when we're booking a royal caribbean cruise our search starts with okay well which ships are going to perfect day coke okay uh that's kind of where we start our search and there's all kinds of cool things you can do you can go to alaska things like that but for us we're just very very <laughs> We're very, very partial to the Caribbean. We're very, very partial to Perfect Day Coco okay. We want to just sort of, you know, lay around the beach all day long and have the fun uh, that we have there. We had a great time on our Dog Nation cruise uh, there on Perfect Day Coco okay. Almost too much fun. But nonetheless, so much fun there on Perfect Day Coco okay. Just a absolute blast. And I would encourage you to kind of look at your own Royal Caribbean Cruise vacation. Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Royal Caribbean believes that a great Royal Caribbean cruise is made better when you plan it with a great travel agent. And that's what they believe that Jessica is. That's when they personally recommended her for us. So you can check that out today and get ready to enjoy your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Now, I'm going to talk about something here for a minute. ESPN has updated what I call its way too early top 25. That's what they used to call this. I guess they must have decided that uh, another phrase works better as a headline because now they're calling it the updated power rankings. This used to be way too... I, I sort of missed the way too early top 25. I, I, sort of, I kind of enjoyed that moniker, but now they're calling these power rankings, so I guess they're trying to get fancy on us here. It's still the same thing it always is. And, and by the way, uh, that's as true as ever, given the fact that the team right there at number one is exactly who you think it would be. That is the Georgia Bulldogs. So at this point, you know, there really isn't a whole lot more to say about this other than what I've said to you before. It is obvious why Georgia will be preseason number one, while it will be the odds on favorite when the national championship began. And yet for those of us who are UGA fans and who want that to happen, as we say around here, go for three and 23. For those of us who want that to be true, we also have to understand there's some sort of challenge coming from somewhere. The idea that Georgia is just going to march through easily the way that it did a year ago and win another national championship, history just sort of suggests that might not necessarily be the case. I'm not predicting it won't happen. What I am predicting is at some point in time, Georgia is going to be, you know, facing a significant challenge for, you know, for that to actually occur. In fact, even last year that, you know, we saw two examples of that. Georgia had to save its bacon on the road at Missouri, game you would have never seen coming. Uh, got a harder test from Ohio State than some people might would have expected. Had to really make every play in that game to, to ultimately give itself a chance to win. And at some point in time, that'll probably happen in 2023, even if Georgia looks like a pretty big favorite here right now. So pushing that aside for a moment, let me also give you a couple other thoughts here. Because when you look at and Mark Schlebaugh is, is, is the writer of this. We respect Schlebaugh's opinion. He's about as good as they have over at ESPN when it comes to this kind of stuff. I think you see a couple of narratives emerging they're going to be really hot topics here for the upcoming season. Some of this is in the SEC, but let me pull out of the SEC just for a second. When you look at Shea Ball's rankings, you know, beyond Georgia, he has Michigan at number two, he has Ohio State at number five, and he has Penn State at number eight. So you have three Big Ten teams right there in the top ten. And what we would be led to believe if we take this seriously is, is that this upcoming season, the Big Ten ought to be viewed 
as a conference, in some respects, on par with the SEC. Uh, the SEC you know, is going to have Georgia, LSU, and Alabama right there in the top 10. Tennessee just on the outside looking in. The Big Ten is going to have those three teams in the top 10. We kind of had some fun the other day with Reese Davis, the ESPN uh, personality on one of the podcasts that he was on, saying that he had Michigan as preseason number one team. That's obviously laughable, but nonetheless, that's what Reese Davis had the other day. So this is what we're about to find out is that there are plenty of people you know out there going to try to push the big 10 as a conference kind of on par with the sec and possibly just as likely to produce a national champion as the sec would be reese davis's words maybe an example of that i'm gonna tell you right now i simply don't believe that to be true nor do i believe there's any evidence that suggests that is true i mean you know I realize this is in the past, but it's not exactly ancient history. Just two years ago, George was dragging Michigan up and down the field in Miami like it was a plaything. And so the idea that somehow Michigan is now better enough, they could even play it close with Georgia. I honestly don't know how you get there. After all, the team that beat Michigan a year ago, you may remember Georgia then turned around and beat that team 65 to 7. And the only reason why Georgia only scored 65 is because they ran out of time. And that game been 15 minutes longer. Georgia may have scored 100 points. Um, and that's the team that beat Michigan. So the idea that Michigan's some sort of threat to Georgia, the number two team in the country, I just get a chuckle out of that. I think you probably should there as well. Ohio State, I believe you're forced to take them seriously because they did play close with Georgia a year ago. But there's also the weirdness of the fact that Ohio State probably played better against Georgia than it did maybe at any point in time other than that uh, that season. They've clearly had a hard time matching the physicality of Michigan the last couple of years. It's not even obvious that Ohio State will be back in the college football playoff again this year. They've had a nasty habit of not making the college football playoff at times. Certainly 2021, an example of that. And then the Penn State thing. I think the Penn State's a pretty interesting team. I thought they were actually pretty good a year ago. But their issue under James Franklin has been you know they're kind of uh, they're they're kind of great against lesser competition, and they look lesser against better competition. And obviously, they have a big challenge to kind of correct that narrative about itself. Uh, that's going to be what's facing Penn State. But but if you're looking at sort of big overarching narratives for the upcoming season, this is one of them. With three teams in the offseason getting a lot of attention, can the Big Ten prove to be a league similar to or on par with the SEC? I'm very skeptical of that until I see it. I'm expecting we won't see it here this year, but that's a part of the preseason narrative that's being pushed. I also think the Florida State thing is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, last year we saw Florida State beat LSU to begin the year, and then we saw that win against LSU become more and more important as LSU proved itself to be a pretty good team. And obviously, for the most part, Florida State kept winning on after that, too. There is a chance that Florida State is just very, very good this season. Obviously, bringing back Jordan Travis is a pretty big deal. Mike Norvell starting to get some recruiting wins under his belt there, too. But we also see lots of examples of the kind of preseason darling on the basis of sort of an upstart year one year. Sometimes doesn't quite live up to the hype the next year. So that's one of those things that Florida State kind of has to confront, the fact that it sort of feels like there's one of these teams every year, air quotes around these teams, and oftentimes that sort of team doesn't quite end up living up to what it's supposed to be but I'm not quite willing to sort of write off Florida State either on paper they do I think sort of look better than Clemson they might be the class of the ACC and if you are right now in the final year of the 14 playoff if you are the potential class of a power five conference that you do have a pretty good shot of being in the college football playoff I think you should take that seriously and I'll also tell you this by the end of last year if you care about like Vegas power rankings, if you care about gambling at all as a potential, uh, I guess, uh, uh, indicator of how games might play out, 
you know, there were only three teams that would have been a single-digit underdog to Georgia. Everybody else would have been double-digit underdog. That's how much of a favorite Georgia was. Obviously, Alabama and Ohio State would have been the one example of that. The team that would have had the closest spread against Georgia, according to the Vegas Power Ratings, at the end of last year would have been Florida State. The only I think they would have been about a nine-and-a-half-point dog to Georgia near the end of last year. So they were getting some respect in gambling circles a year ago, too. So just sort of keep that in mind of this upcoming year that you know they were kind of getting some love around this time a year ago there as well. And then quickly, I'll just kind of restate what, I, what you've heard me say before, is when you see Bama at six and LSU at seven, this is the way-too-early top 25 from ESPN. I have a hard time understanding what the overall justification for putting Alabama ahead of LSU is, other than the fact that we just typically see Alabama ranked ahead of LSU in these preseason rankings. But if you base this on like tangible facts here right now, what would be the argument in favor of Alabama? I just don't see it. I think I said this yesterday. I'll say it again right now. I believe that LSU is the most under-discussed team in the entire country right now. And because of that, I think they're actually the most fascinating team in the SEC this offseason. There is a chance that LSU is the second-best team in the country, and there's a chance that, that, that Georgia's real stiff challenge in terms of winning a third-straight national championship is actually going to end up being LSU. And in the final year of SEC East versus SEC West, we see another matchup of Georgia-LSU in the SEC championship, which would be the sixth time, am I right about that? Um, you know, One of the most common SEC championship matchups we've ever had um and we could see it one more time in the final year divisional play here this year there's a chance that lsu is just that good um i think they have two quarterbacks in their roster probably better than anything that alabama has and with such an odd situation for bama quarterback you know the fact that you see them preseason number six right now according to espn in the way too early rankings that's an indication this just might not be a very Alabama-like Alabama team here this year. If you're a Crimson Tide fan, you've got to confront this reality that you just may not be a part of the national championship story here this year and that the winter of Nick Saban's career might not exactly go the way that Tide fans want it to go. I think Tennessee is interesting at 11 here. We'll get ready to wrap all this up uh, just because – you know, obviously they have a chance to mention Alabama, go on the road and beat a team like that. They have a chance to be – you know, possibly very nice looking record when they host Georgia in November, but they also have some tough games as well. I mean, you know, they have to play Texas AM. AM may be better. That Alabama game's a road game here this year. Uh, Tennessee probably had to use the home crowd to its advantage to even get the win uh, this past season. So it's possible that Georgia Tennessee feels really, really big when these two teams get together in November, but it's also possible that Tennessee has a hard time maintaining the kind of record that allows that to be the case. The point is, you know, it's time to have these conversations. It's time to start thinking, you know, what does it really look like here for this upcoming season? You know, who are the real legitimate threats to Georgia? Who should we take seriously? ESPN has updated its rankings here after the spring practice. Time to start thinking about that. Time to have some fun. And I think most Georgia fans are certainly ready to do just that. Now, speaking of being ready for things, before we wrap up today's show, some of you are ready for this. Uh, kind of looking at those of you on businesses, things like that. To really kind of make sure the folks that you're working with have the best possible training to go out and succeed because you want to see them succeed, but also because as the folks that you're working with, as they succeed, the more your business is able to succeed there as well. And the good news is, is there is great training available from our friends at the Technical College Systems of Georgia to, to help you do that through a program they call Apprentice Georgia. I want to tell you more about this. Uh, it's never been easier to kind of get registered for some sort of apprenticeship type program uh, with what the Technical College System of Georgia is doing right now. Uh, you can upskill your workforce. You can get folks uh, more trained, uh, you know, add to their sort of array and uh, a variety of talents that allow them 
them to really, really succeed and allow you as a business owner to succeed through them there as well. You can uh, certainly do that in all kinds of high demand industries all across the state of Georgia right now. So keep in mind the uh, Apprentice Georgia program. Learn more about this. Uh, I want you to go to ApprenticeGeorgia.com for more about this. This is ApprenticeGeorgia.com to help get your workforce trained up to be the best they can possibly be and help your business achieve even greater levels of success because of a better trained, more uh, upskilled workforce. You can get that through the Apprentice Georgia program right now, and you can access some funding to help grow uh, your folks there at your business. Go to Apprentice Georgia to find out more about this from our friends at the Technical College System of Georgia. Really, really good stuff there. ApprenticeGeorgia.com. I love the idea of folks doing everything they can to maximize their earning potential and businesses to help their employees do the same thing there as well. One of the best decisions you can ever make. That's one of the reasons I'm such a big believer in what our friends at the Technical College Systems of Georgia uh, can do for you. Something else I'm a big believer in, that's Star Wars. I like the movies. Um, And today is May the 4th. So as you would maybe expect, Star Wars Day, because the play on words, may the force be with you. This is may the fourth be with you. Our buddy Mad Dog sends this. He says, happy Star Wars Day, dog uh, fans. May the fourth be with you. You see a cool look there at Kirby Smart holding the uh, lightsaber there. And then Kirby Copter writes back on that with his own little gift there of the may the fourth be with you. As the the Millennium Falcon jumps into uh, hyperspace there on that. So that is all really fun. Uh, So may the fourth be with all of you. Good stuff there for our golden shoes uh, there today. Maybe a golden lightsaber more appropriate there on that. But nonetheless, Gatorator Countdown, they are our evil empire, but we've seen them toppled now enough times that maybe they're not quite such an empire anymore. But nonetheless, 177 days from now, Georgia does it all over again. Just like a good Star Wars movie, you know the good guys win in the end. And that's been true in the cocktail party for quite some time. So we will see all of you here tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We will look forward talking to you then.